Today, Rachel and I welcome to our show leadership and management development coach, Mr. Ron Reich. Among other topics, we discuss some of the more common struggles of managers, the unique challenges facing today's managers and leaders, the importance of having difficult conversations, and how self-awareness is arguably the most critical attribute of a highly effective manager. And with that, welcome to the Introspective Leader Podcast, where Rachel and I take a deep dive into the ideas and practices that will help you become a more effective and respected organizational leader. I am Stuart, and as a retired Army Senior Non-Commissioned Officer, a former hospital executive, and a management instructor, I have been leading and managing for almost 30 years and teaching it for over 15. Rachel is an Army officer and a healthcare practitioner. And while she is relatively new to the gig, she is one of the most talented young leaders I have come across. So thank you for joining us, and we will see you on the other side. Hey, you, before we get back to the show, just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying it, Give us that five-star review and share it with at least one other person who you think will also enjoy it. That's it. Back to the show. Told you it'd be quick. Again, hello, everyone. I'm Stuart. And I'm Rachel. As we are always looking to add more voices to our conversation about management, Rachel and I invited Mr. Ron Wright to join us, and I'm happy to say he graciously accepted. A little bit about Ron before we bring him on. After first working in general HR, Ron, by way of a cold call he received from a recruiter, made the switch over to training and development and now has almost 29 years of experience in leadership and management coaching. Although he is effective in training larger groups, Ron finds a singular reward in working with smaller groups, allowing him to individualize his facilitation to meet the specific needs of each person he is working with. Through the years, Ron has become fluent in discussing and coaching Delegation, motivation, communication, emotional intelligence, how to conduct difficult yet often crucial conversations, and many more topics related to leadership, management, and personal growth. And with that, Ron, welcome to the Introspective Leader Podcast, where, as we like to say, the complexities of leadership are met with an equal complexity of thought. Thank you. It's really, really good to be here, Rachel and Stuart. I've really been looking forward to having you on. I actually have been following you for a little bit now. Something that piqued my interest is you've mentioned it a few times, but you really didn't go much, much deeper into it was before you got into the uh, development and coaching realm, the training and development, you spent time in general HR. I haven't heard you say much more about it than that. Do, Do you mind expounding on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll be glad to. When when I graduated from school, and again, all those years ago now, uh, I have a, I have a, I have a liberal, liberal arts undergraduate degree and, you know, was looking for work. Long story short, I ended up in an HR department of a very large bank in New Jersey. And essentially what I was doing was a lot of recruiting work, I did some compensation work. I was involved in, in employee relations. And back in the early 80s, uh, when uh, I first began my career, 
banking mergers were coming so fast and so furious that I was there for about, let's again, about maybe four or five years, something along those lines. We were acquired, uh, the executive vice president of HR within our bank decided to leave. He started his own consulting firm and he took some of us along with him, myself included. We worked there for about five years or so. Bob decided to retire. And during those 10 some odd years, I enjoyed it. I absolutely enjoyed it. And I, I, I always had that. I'm not even sure what, what word I'm looking for right now. I enjoyed it. I wasn't passionate about it. And I always, always wondered about training and development. And as, as you had mentioned, uh, Stuart, it was just an, an amazing thing. It's a long story and I'll make it short. I was going through a, a nasty divorce. I had moved back in with my mom and dad. I got a telephone call from Tom Sparks, who was a recruiter in Dallas, Texas. He would not tell me how he found me or how he tracked me down in my mom and dad's house. He said, Ron, I've got a job for you. The specs are the exact opposite of what you are. He said, it's with Toshiba. They are looking for somebody who has a lot of training and some HR. You've got a lot of HR and some training. I know the people at Toshiba extremely well. I will get you in front of them. Your job is to get them to flip their competencies. I interviewed with Toshiba and they flipped their competencies and I have not looked back since. I, I, I am so blessed and I am so grateful because this is my calling. I absolutely love what I do. Like we were talking about a little bit before. I'm passionate about it. And again, I say this proudly, and I hope it comes across that way and not arrogantly. I'm good at what I do. And I, I know, and I'm self-aware, actually, which I know we're going to get into. I know the things at which I'm good. And those are the kinds of things on which I want to focus, because that's where I make the biggest difference. Go ahead, I, I had a question. Talk. I was wondering, you're, you're just talking, because I know we talked before, too, about how passionate you are about about training. And, and I, I always love to hear people talk about why they're passionate about yeah, the yeah. things they talk about. So I was wondering, if you if you don't mind, would you go into that a little bit more about what specifically it is about training people that, that you enjoy so much and you get so much like satisfaction out of? I think, you know, when, when I first started, I was doing a lot of sales training initially with mm -hmm. Toshiba. And I was stunned by how many of the participants were coming up to me after these classes. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I learned so much. You, mm. you made such a difference for me. And I was like, wow, I am making a difference. This is, mm. this is mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I began to get into leadership development, training and development at Toshiba and the same thing was happening. And I realized it was at a higher level with the managers and with the leaders. And I mean, granted, this you know, as the story evolves, one of the things that makes me so happy, I did a, uh, a two-day leadership course for Santa Fe of Venice, this pharmaceutical, a number of years ago. We finished up, one of the participants came up to me afterwards and shook my hand, Ron, thank you, two days of wonderful training. And you know, Jim, whatever his name was, oh, you're welcome, I was glad to do it. And he leaned into me and he said softly, it was 
two days of something else too. Uh, I had an inkling of where he was going to go. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And he said to me again, very softly, it was two days of wonderful marriage counseling. <laughs> and you know, we, we all laughed. And I realized though, that the work that I'm doing, there is overlap and there is carryover. And that makes a big difference to me because again, I, I just love doing that. And I'm also a big believer that if, if I'm happy at home or if people are happy at home, they're also going to carry that into the mm -hmm. workplace. And if they're unhappy at home, there's a crossover there as well. So if I can make a difference on either side of that, mm -hmm. and it, it just doesn't get better than that for me. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yes, thanks. And I can, I can relate to that very directly, Ron, for like over 15 years now. In addition to being a full-time manager at different levels, I also have taught at the college mm -hmm. level. I have taught management courses, and most yeah. of them have been, for lack of a better word, the quote-unquote soft skills, if you would, mm -hmm. the interpersonal communications. Mm -hmm. And I really can relate to what you're saying about when we have discussions in the classroom, so much, much of it also evolves into the personal aspect of the students' lives. Because you're right, one of the things I most enjoy about managing itself and teaching management is that there is such an overlap between yeah. your professional and your personal life in the sense that if you're addressing one, you're addressing the other, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Well, and, and you know what, Stuart, you, 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 you remind me many, many years ago. Again, I'm going, I'm going to go back to my uh, college days. I was in, I, I would, a number of us were in a professor's office and we were, we were just chatting for a while. I didn't know the professor well at all. And I still remember the comment he made. And he said, you know, you know what I find sad here? He said, I find it sad that it's almost we, the faculty against mm. the students. And, and he went on to explain that, you know, he said, you know, students, I want to get an A. You'll never get an A from me. <laughs> and I was just like, how about if we just collaborate together? And I, I think that also carries it in, into the workplace as well, mm -hmm. where it's sometimes it's an us against them. It's, it's me against my manager. And, you know, you want a big raise, you'll never get a big raise from me. And you want a promotion, well, you're going to have to work your fingers to the bone. It's like, Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're all on the same team here. <laughs> oh, yes. I, we, we actually just uh, dropped, a, a, I think, an episode. It was mm -hmm. a couple episodes ago on collaboration. Yeah. And, boy, you found two apostles in that. Mm -hmm. Is too much, not, again, this overlap or this intersecting between sort of our personal or, or social lives with our professional lives. There's just too much of this antagonist approach mm -hmm. towards things, right? Yeah. Uh, especially, I mean, we hear it all the time, but it seems like, especially nowadays, if, if you believe everything you read in the, the news, but also at work, like you said, between management and labor, between different sections, between different departments, between HR and management, right? I know, I know you can probably go back to those days and remember that, that, that unnecessary antagonism and this zero sum game going back to seems like the 1950s style of there's only so much pie. Yeah. And if I don't get, if I don't, if I don't move first, then you're going to get more of the pie I can where it's not really, 
It's a limitless pie, and it can be different pies. Mm-hmm. You, maybe if we collaborate, we'll you make find more out. Pie. Yeah, yeah. We, we can make more pies, and you find out. I actually like pecan pie. Ron mm-hmm. likes banana pie, and Rachel likes uh, key lime. And Rachel's a key lime person. Yeah, I, I do. Just I tell, do like right? key lime pie. It's so, quite good. Yeah, not to belabor that, but yes, I. Bringing up collaboration, that is that is one of the what five topics I mm-hmm. tend to get on my preacher box about, yeah. Rachel. Sure, collaboration. Let's, let's say it's just five. Just five, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do want to comment on that, though, because the one, one thing in which I'm also a very, very big believer are the, the seven habits of highly effective people yes. from Stephen Covey. Yes. And Stephen talks about the exact thing you just mentioned, Stuart, in habit four. Habit four being think when win. And one of the aspects of that, he talks about what's called an abundance mentality. Mm-hmm. Is that there's so much out there for everybody, for all of us. Is that and, and, and I loved what you said. The pie is endless. It's not that Ron, you got a bigger piece than I did. That isn't fair. It's like, no, 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 no. There's plenty out there. There's plenty out there. Let's work together. Let's share it. We all win that way. And maybe I'm fine with uh, Ron getting a bigger piece of pie. Then Ron can let me have a little bit more of the pork chop because yes. I actually have pork chops. <laughs> right. But it all comes, it, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't be fine with you getting more of the pie, Ron. I am a pie guy. But we're just saying that for theoretical purposes. <laughs> you can have the pork chop. I want the pie. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, 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 I don't want to get off too much on that one. But yeah, I think we all three could go on about just the, that lack of collaboration that you too often see. I, and I think, and I want to get your opinion on this, Ron. I think you see it a little bit more in the management realm because our job is pretty much operating in an environment where you're trying to get the most you can out of limited resources, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going in, that, that, especially in a capitalistic system. Yeah. The whole point of the game is there's only so many resources, whether mm-hmm. that be money, that be people, that be what have you. And I think we get in the mindset that that carries over into our, our daily interactions and the way we collaborate with others, yes. other mm-hmm. departments, with our employers, or with our employees. Yes. Does that make sense? I, I notice I can even get in that mindset t- sometimes, and it's well documented that, that does not I do happen. not agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But what do you think, Ron? I, I, I think you're right. And interestingly, when, when I'm doing leadership sessions, one of the first things I do is I break break the group in I, I break them into small groups and I just have them brainstorm on flip charts. What is your role as a leader? Just put put down everything you believe your role is as a leader. So they'll do their thing. During the debrief, all, all I need to ask them is, first of all, what's interesting about your list? They'll look at it. So well, there's a lot of overlap fine, everything like that. My point simply is. All I need to ask them is you look at your lists, how many technical things are on that list? And they look and it's like, wow, next to none. And it's like, what does that tell you? What's your role as a manager? To be human, to treat people well. That's your role. You just put it on that list. There it is. And I mean, I still remember I was doing a course in Boston for the American Management Association 
a number of years ago. We did that activity, and one of the one of the uh, participants, she just had a visceral reaction, where she was just like, "Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this, this, this I, I I need to change my approach completely." Yeah. And I was like, good. Now you're self-aware. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I think that that's an excellent example of managers. They, they, I think it's easy to think it's about the data. It's about the, yeah, we've talked a lot about that. Before. talked a lot yeah. about that, but you're right. But what we've always countered with, if you're managing and you're a manager or a slash leader, I know we could, we could, we could quibble on those are two yeah. different terms, but the point is the definition of management is you're getting things done through other people, mm -hmm. through the coordination of other people. And you right. can only get things done through the coordination of other people if you know how to interact with those other people, yeah. right? Yeah. Thanks, Ron. I did really want to get your insight. Now, I want to move on. I don't want to take too much time on that because I got another one that, that we've sort of been uh, hinting around a little bit here because we had talked before we uh, went live today. Again, anybody that listened to our podcast know that Rachel and I talk almost ad nauseum about mm -hmm. the importance of self-awareness as a manager and as a leader, as any one period, but especially as a manager and as a leader, because you can't, our, our point is, if you're not aware of yourself, you're not going to be able to interact. Well, you, most, you can't, uh, yeah, go ahead, you can't do the human things that we've already been talking about. If you're not aware of how you're coming across to other humans. Exactly. Right? right. So of course we've covered a lot of books that have also either implicitly or explicitly addressed that such as Ryan Hawk's welcome to management. In fact, he spends 30% of his book mm -hmm. on becoming self-aware, the connector manager uh, by Jaime Roca and Sari wild. they, Talk about that as one of the number one attributes of the most mm -hmm. effective type of manager. And then, of course, Kristen Adid's. This is sorry, Ron. You may hear us say permission to screw up by Kristen Adid several times because we've got a soft spot yeah. in our heart for yeah. this book. She never explicitly talks about self awareness itself in those words, but the whole book, the whole theme could be about being mm -hmm. self aware. So, after that long lead in, Ron, I just basically want to hear your your take on self-awareness and how important it is to a manager slash leader. Absolutely, positively, unequivocally critical. I, I believe with every fiber I have that in order, in order for people to work well with others, you've got to know yourself extremely well first. And the story behind that. Uh, as, as we had talked a little bit before the show, I'm a New York Giants season ticket holder. I have been for many years. We were tailgating, again, a number of years ago. One of the guys in our group is the chief financial officer for a technology company in Manhattan. During the tailgate, Peter came up to me. And he said, okay, Mr. Leadership Development Man, throw me the one tip, just one, that could make me the best leader possible. I thought about it and I was like, Peter, let me, you know, let me, let, let me give it a bit of thought. I went back to him and this, and, and quote, Peter, if you want to be the best leader possible and you're going to limit me to one tip, get to know yourself extraordinarily well. You need to know what are your strengths, Peter? What do you do really well? What are your limitations? What are some of the things with which you struggle at work? What triggers you at work, Peter? Who, you know, who are some of the individuals 
that get under your skin at work? And what is it about them or what do they do that gets under your skin? And you need to be comfortable apologizing when you're wrong, when you make a mistake. You need to be able to ask for help and do it humbly. I mean, just all of these things, when I'm aware of that, that's going to allow me to work more effectively with other people instead of just, you know, Stuart, I need this done. Rachel, you help him. And now we need this. And no, we're changing directions. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who am I? What am I? And then I can start working with you more effectively. And, and I think you nailed it. The key to self-awareness is as in the process of becoming more self-aware, you become more aware of others also. Uh-huh. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's, it. That's exactly the point. Yes. Well, and, and, and you know, the, 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 Stuart, the other thing too, for me at least, it's, it's been my direct experience, is that when I make myself vulnerable to people and let them know, hey, and, and this is true for me, I'm not very strong technically. I never have been. I never will be. I, I do not get nervous for these podcasts. I look forward to them. I don't get nervous anymore when I'm going to be doing a session because I'm well prepared. We were talking about that. Yeah. What does make me nervous, though, truly, is, is the technology piece. If something goes wrong with my laptop or if we have a problem technically here, I don't know what to do. And when I tell my groups that, you can see them where it's like, wow, he, he's got limitations too. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it just, it, it makes me human to them. Like we were talking about earlier. It, yeah. And I think also almost as importantly, what I have found, I'm sort of known in my organization uh, it's pretty good administratively, right? I, I, I'm, I've always been intuitively pretty good as a manager. I've made mistakes. I've done a lot of growing, right? I'm not the same manager I was when I was 25 years old. I, I started pretty young, just like Rachel did. However, in, I, I'm not naturally an organized person. Mm-hmm. I'm not naturally great at administrative stuff. But I realized in my trajectory where I was going that I had to get at least decent at mm-hmm. that. I would, and I had to find ways that worked towards my strengths to be good at that part of it. So right. a lot of people do not actually believe me when I say administrative work is not actually something that mm-hmm. comes real super easy for me. Mm-hmm. Having difficult conversations, working with with the groups of others to get things done comes simple, easy, mm-hmm. like Ron. I don't get nervous about that. I go in, if I've prepared myself to have a difficult conversation with whoever it is, I really have no anxiety about mm-hmm. that. I get anxious like Ron probably did when he's like, okay, let me get on at least 15 <laughs> minutes early before the Zoom call, double check everything. And I remember Ron had said in something I'd watched on heard a podcast. So I even sent Ron a uh, my phone number mm-hmm. in case he run into mm-hmm, a problem mm-hmm. because I could totally relate to mm-hmm. that kind of fear. But <laughs> but by being self aware, you realize that I'm not saying we should all work to make our weaknesses strengths. But there's going to be times by being aware as something you're not so great in. There can be workarounds, yeah, and that's can, what I've done. Yeah, yeah, you can prepare for it, which we've talked about that yes, before. Yes. When you know where your weaknesses are, and, and, and we're talking more about like actual 
you know, work skills as opposed to a lot of times when I think of self-awareness, part of it is absolutely like technological stuff and knowledge based stuff or things like that. But a lot of times when I think of self-awareness, I I think more of do I come off as mean? Do I come off as too strong? Do I come off as too weak? You know, that kind of the the, inter, the more interpersonal relationships. Yes. Oh, very, very much so. Rachel. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that that is, you know, the more. Yeah. Like, I, as we kind of said before, the more you, you kind of learn about yourself when it comes to what, you know, how am I coming across to other people? How, how am I internalizing their feedback? All of that. It just, it makes it so much, you just get, you just get more reps in and you get naturally better at reading other people. Let me add this here. I think you're making a good point, Rachel, but my argument on that would be, is the process of becoming Mm self-aware, whether it be technical, like Ron was talking Mm -hmm. it, or, or like you said, it'd be about Mm -hmm. as far as more you as a person, Mm -hmm. how you're made up, how you come off, how you communicate, uh, your disposition. They're all part of the yeah. same process. Oh, for sure, for sure. So part of my not being great administratively initially mm-hmm. was because my mind goes to five different things within 10 yeah. seconds, right? <laughs> yeah. So I am not naturally a organized, linear type of person, whereas a good friend of mine, her mind is like A, B, C, D, E, F. It's yeah. just linear, right? Now, I wouldn't change my circular zigzag type of thinking because it adds a lot to who I am and my strengths. I had to find a way within that trait I have to use that to be good in my own unique way at administrative tasks. Yeah. Does that no, make that, sense? That makes sense. And I, I can relate to that a lot, too, because I have a lot of like little short tasks I have to do sometimes in my work. And I know if I stop in the middle of it, it's not getting done. Because once I start it, my brain is like, oh, well, I finished it, even if I didn't finish it. So I have had I have I've gotten really good at telling people when they come to talk to me, or they call me, I'll be like, give me two seconds, let me finish this. Otherwise, it's not going to get done. And then I finish it. And then I can move on. And so it's the preparedness, right? And both both preparedness in the technical aspects, and also the if I know I come off as, you know, mean or no, I don't, you know, have, you know, resting bitch face as, as we say, <laughs> you know, if I have that, if I have that, I know I can prepare ahead of time when I go into a conversation. Am I get in trouble say you have that sometimes? I, I, you're not going to get in trouble. I mean, I will say masks have helped me out a lot. So we, we work in a hospital setting, Ron, so we still wear we masks still a lot. We still walk around a mask. So. They have helped me out tremendously. Um, yeah, no, for sure. So I, so I know that. And so I know when I'm teaching a class or when I'm, you know, doing some sort of training, all right, I need to, I need to smile a little bit more, even with the mask, you can still tell. And so it's the preparedness, right? That's what the self-awareness does in, in both lanes is it helps you just prepare to, to, to cover for your weaknesses, I guess. Yes. Hey, sorry to hijack that a little bit, Ron. Go ahead, please. No, no, I'm, truly, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm listening, and I, I just had the conscious thought. I was like, man, this is fun listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank so you. I, no, no, because it's all, see, and, and, and actually, though, look, 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 look at what we're doing. We're having a conversation. Yes. Mm-hmm. No one's dominating. No one is like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the guest. <laughs> I'm the one that's supposed to. Or, or it was like, Ron, you know, you've spoken enough. It's my turn. No, yeah. we're feeding off of yes, each other. Yes, yes. And that makes it effective. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the one thing that I will comment on, though, is that, you know, when, when we're talking about knowing ourselves, what our strengths are and what our limitations are, 
my wife taught for 31 years. She taught fifth grade. And one of the lessons she used to teach, which for me, I thought was absolutely beyond brilliant, just beyond brilliant, was that the title of the lesson for the fifth, for these 10-year-old kids, it is not how smart are you. It's all about how are you smart? Yes. Mm-hmm. Because we're all smart mm-hmm. differently. Yes. You know, you know, the soft skills administratively might be a struggle for you. Fine. Except you excel in the other areas. I'm strong with, you know, with communication, you know, whatever it might be. And that's where it goes back to what, what we were saying before. It's okay to ask for help. You know, it, you know, administer, you know, one, one of the other things I don't do that well, I don't, I don't consider myself a real strong writer. And when I write an article or if I, when I write a coaching summary, whatever it might be, again, I'm so grateful to have my wife Lori around because she writes beautifully. So I do it here. And, and again, I, I, I say this to my groups. When I say this, I, I'd ask everybody to consider her as my colleague, not my wife. And it's like, here, colleague of mine, Lori, you're really good at, 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 at writing and editing. Would you just take a look at this, please? Mm-hmm. And boom, she'll do it. We help each other. We collaborate. And yes. the end product is wonderful. Yeah, I was waiting for you to use that word, collaborate, collaborate. <laughs> because everything you were saying as you were talking about, I said, here he is. He's describing First, describing the importance of collaboration, because we all bring mm-hmm. different pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, right? Mm-hmm. Then by working with, with others, accepting, first of all, that we all have our strengths and our yeah, limitations, if you, right? If you haven't accepted your strengths and limitations, you're not going to yeah. ask for help. Or if I haven't so accepted Ron's or right, if I haven't exactly. accepted Then Rachel's. you can't collaborate. You can't get to the collaboration. Yeah, if I'm judging them because yes, they're yes. not strong. And I, I am a good writer, right? right? Writing comes naturally to me. But that doesn't make me feel superior to Ron or right. uh, because of that. It's like, Oh great. I have something to contribute to Ron mm-hmm. because now I know Ron has some things that he can contribute to me. Right. Mm-hmm. It sounds simple. It almost sounds like we're preaching it, but it, it's one of those things. People will nod their heads when you say it and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, and then you turn get to around, the workplace yeah, and, and turn around like, and talk, you know, <laughs> talk about somebody behind their back and judge them for their yeah, yeah. weaknesses for sure. Or you get to the workplace and you're like, where's this collaboration yeah. <laughs> we were like talking about yeah. uh, yesterday? So I was going to ask a question um, about, because, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a newer manager. I'm a little bit younger, so I haven't, haven't been doing this for as long. So I, I had a question kind of about, since you've done so much coaching and, and mentoring to a degree, what is one of the like one or two skills or responsibilities that you think managers have or in your experience managers have the most difficult time accomplishing or mastering perhaps? And why do you think those specific skills are difficult for managers to really get a handle on? My it, it it's it's been my direct experience. There there are two and they they interrelate. I think number one. The one thing with with which managers struggle greatly is the ability to give good, solid behavioral Mm -hmm. feedback. I also think managers tend to struggle when they need to have a difficult conversation with someone. Yes, yes. And, you know, know, for, for so many different reasons, fear of not being liked, fear of, you know, it going sideways. Fear of, you know, the the person go, you know, going above their head, whatever it might Mm -hmm. be. And I mean, I'll be glad to expound on feedback and difficult conversations. If you want, we can go in any direction here. 
Uh, I, Rachel, I'll leave it for you or, or, yeah. or Stuart, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I'd be interested in the in the maybe expanding a little bit more on the difficult conversation because the first thing when you were talking about that, what popped into my head is that you're there's just there's so much unknown going into those conversations, right? There's, yeah, Rachel, you've said on oh, our podcast yeah. for this is, is something, something Rachel oh, struggles a little strong of a word, but it's something I, I do not I do not feel confident doing it. I definitely get nervous. I definitely think about it all the night before, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. And, and I don't have a ton of experience with it too, so I definitely think that's part of it. Is it's just. I had a few, and so at, the first one was horrific. You know, it was incredibly. Ner- I mean, it went fine, but I was incredibly nervous. As I've done more, it, it gets easier. So I know that as part of it is, it's just I don't have the data set of this is not the end of the world. But yeah, no, I, I think that is something that I I do struggle with a lot. Um, so yeah, I think I'd be curious to if you wouldn't sure, mind expanding sure. more on that. I'm gonna I, I'll I'm gonna reference the, the work of someone that I really like and respect, and that's Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. And his his model, uh, or a, a good portion of his model for difficult conversations, is just so simple. And you, you you start off by just saying to the person, Stuart, I'm struggling with mm-hmm. fill in the blank, what whatever whatever the issue is. This is what's going on for me. Very very short, very very short introduction there, and. As I understand it, there's research behind the next thing I'm about to say, and that is that once once I've described the issue, Stuart, be honest with me. How do you see it? Mm-hmm. That the research behind that indicates quite clearly you will get the most honest response from your colleague or from That's the good. person. That makes with a lot of sense. That's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. I don't think I've ever. I hope I've done that, but I don't think I've ever yeah, like thought about it in. that purposely. Yeah, yeah that was like, good. Well, I mean, and I'll, 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 I'll give you an example of it. And and, and and one of the things, too, and we we talked about this a little bit, and, and the word has come up a couple times, preparation. Mm-hmm. Yes. For me, the preparation before the difficult conversation yeah. makes all Oh, yes. uh, and I, I oh, de- yes. Stuart has told me to do that. When I went to him, I was like, hey, I got to talk to this person about this. And he was like, write it down. Think about it. Think about what you want to get say and that kind of stuff. So that has definitely helped role, me a lot. Role play it with each other. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, just all of these things. And the, the example uh, that I'll use, uh, Lori and I, my wife and I are going through a major, major kitchen renovation. And it's been going on now for we're approaching six months. We are we are now finally getting close to the finish line. And congratulations yeah. on still being married after all that. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been through that that own kind of personal hell with that, so I get it. Right. We're we're getting there. We, we still like each other too. Well, that's great. <laughs> there you go. Backing up though. We were we did have some concerns with the lack of progress and what and, and some of the things the contractor had done and not done. I was in Boston actually doing an American Management Association class. I was talking to my wife on the phone and she said, we've, we've got to talk to him. And I was like, OK, that's fine. And the point is, we prepared. What are our concerns? What are we looking to get out of this conversation? And we, we role played the model that I just said that I just shared with you. 
we agreed we're going to talk to him at 5:30 on this given late afternoon whatever mm-hmm. get on the phone with him bill listen Lori and i are struggling with the lack of progress that's going on with the with the uh with with the project you've you've been giving us you you've been giving us weekly plans which is wonderful except the execution of the plans has not come to fruition we're falling behind we're concerned bill be honest with us how do you see it and i don't need to get into all of the details here number 1 though the one thing of which i was so happy and so proud is that we talked we talked for 45 minutes never did i my wife or bill raise our voices we just talked and and again it it was just it, it was just it was just so productive it was wonderful now i'm i'm also not sitting here by any stretch of the imagination rachel and saying to you oh use this rachel every time it'll work swimmingly <laughs> of course not mm-hmm. of course not sometimes and, and actually rachel let me ask you and Stuart, of course you too just assume with me okay you're having a difficult conversation with someone. Mm-hmm. You've been talking for, again, pick, pick a number, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, whatever it might be. And the conversation is going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying it's getting heated or that it's getting confrontational. It's just going nowhere. Yes, that is, what are some options yes. at that point? Yeah. So, I mean, I, that has absolutely happened to me before I've had at least one employee where that was a pretty chronic problem. I mean, I, I, I got to the, to the end of, I mean, again, this was after, I want to say months, months of the, the same kind of yeah, conversation yeah. over and over again. You know, I, I just kept repeating, I kept repeating where I, where I stood on the situation. Cause it was basically like, like they wanted something as an, from me as their manager. I did not agree with that. I didn't think it was right for the team. The, the, my, my leaders didn't agree with it. And so I just, I, you know, I understand where you're coming from. We've discussed this. I don't agree with you. This is how I see it calmly, repeatedly. It did finally get to a point where I said, we've talked about this repeatedly. I'm not, you know, I'm open. I'm absolutely, I'm not closing the door on you. I still have an open door policy. Please come to talk to me about other things. But unless you have new information to add on this specific topic, I'm not interested in discussing this with you anymore because I feel like we've said everything that we have to say about it. I'm kind of done. And so that, that, that's been like what I've used so far. And again, this was not, neither of us were, there may have been a bit of crying involved on the employee's part. Again, not, not like, not like angry or frustrated, more like frustration, I think. And so, you know, I, no yelling, nothing like that. And I, I am, I am, I am the, I I would do the opposite of raise my voice. I would stop talking when I get angry. That's kind of what I do. (laughs) And so, but even that, even that I didn't, I didn't start doing, so yeah, I think that was kind of been my my best my okay. my one real experience with that. At some point in time, as and as as I understand it, and this is what I have tried to do too over the years. My last resort, and and again, it sounds because and I heard you say, Rachel, that you had multiple conversations, mm-hmm. about multiple this situations, yes. probably and more so than I should have, but yeah. in my opinion, and, yes. Yeah. At, at some point in time, there is nothing wrong with, you know what, Rachel, at this point in time, we've talked about this 
on multiple occasions. You leave me no choice except to share with you. Please don't bring this to me again unless you have something different. We're done here. Mm -hmm. Yes, because Ron, I think you agree with this one because uh, to use the old cliche, it takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. Some people are just not open to receiving your new, the information you're giving to them. They have an agenda and they want to meet that agenda. Right. right. And if you're not giving them information that matches that agenda, they're just going to be complete that, that, doing that circle dance from hell, mm-hmm. right? That I call it, which I don't think that's yeah. most people. No. But I do think you run into that sometimes. Yes. If you don't mind, too, I'm, I'm going to back up to something. This is maybe a small point. For for me, it's not. Yeah, please. Because, Rachel, I, I, the, the word I heard you use before was, I disagree with you, and, and the leaders of the organization disagree with you. And... I, I learned this, I don't know, maybe four, five, six years ago, whatever. It doesn't matter. Rather than using the term, I disagree with you, mm-hmm. I have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see this differently. Mm-hmm. I have a different take on this. Mm-hmm. Because when, when if, if, if someone says to me, I disagree with you, mm-hmm. I can get really defensive yeah. and I can start digging my heels in. If someone says to me, I have a different perspective. Yeah. I see this differently. I'm going to approach it differently. I'm going to listen more carefully. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I do. One, I probably actually didn't use the word. I, I, I was about to. I was I, about to say. I, if I know Rachel, yeah. she—that's a word I would probably yeah, use. Like yeah. I disagree with you, yeah. or I would say something like the facts don't support what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. that that would be more. Yeah, me. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. I, I can I, see Rachel exactly saying the exact word you said. I have a different perspective yeah. than you have, yeah. right? Okay, and I think yeah. I think so. My actual like my. But I think it's a great point because yeah. there are people like me who's just going to would be a little more. And I'm not saying like we had that. Con- I'm, I kid you not. We had that conversation. Well, yeah, it was like 15 at times. Least. So you so might probably, <laughs> there was, there was one point where I did start getting a little bit, not angry, but it was just fair. It was, you know, I, I did. I think I maybe, I think I maybe said, I'm not sure what you want out of these conversations. Well, <laughs> we only, have. we only have so most, yeah. so much emotional yeah. bandwidth yeah. and we only have so much to pull from. Mm-hmm. So the, I, again, I don't like to go to this other side of where, where people have, do start to, to be this magical robot. Well, they start no to stereotype people that, that value the quote unquote soft skills. Whereas you're just continue like you're this left wing, crazy progressive. <laughs> that's just, you know, no one's wrong. Yeah. Everybody's right. Yeah. You know, there does get to a mm-hmm. point to, to where you have to recognize that, especially if you're in a management position mm-hmm. that your perspective is going to have to be mm-hmm. the perspective mm-hmm. you've gone through it. You've mm-hmm. gone through it and you've gone through it. Right. Now there has to be closure mm-hmm. for everybody mm-hmm. involved, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's right. And and people and people need to understand that these these the, these difficult decisions or these difficult the decisions that come from these conversations on making this decision in the best interest of the organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you, I'm sorry if you don't like it. I'm sorry if you have a different perspective. This is the final decision. Mm-hmm. We need to move on now. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Yes, yeah. that yeah. is. And that I've used that. That's the one that when I see that there's going to be an impasse. Mm-hmm. And even if the person has been open, sometimes you just reach an impasse, yeah. right? That's life sometimes. Yeah. And that's why, especially in organizations, 
you have to have that authoritative mm-hmm. position yeah. because someone has to eventually make the final decision, yeah. right? We're not living yeah. in a hippie commune. <laughs> okay, we're living, yeah. we're working in an organization that has objectives and stuff mm-hmm. they have to get done. I, that's the one I usually, if I have to go to that, I'm like, bottom line, I have to think of the organization as a whole, as the team as a whole, mm-hmm. or what our objectives are. And in my, from my perspective, it's not jiving with what you need at mm-hmm. this moment or mm-hmm. what you think should happen. I regret that's that, mm-hmm. that, that we can't meet both. But in this situation, I'm going to have to go with mm-hmm. this one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and, you know, hand, hand in hand with this, and again, I, I'd be curious, truly, to get both of your perspectives on this. I, I read this in a book recently, and I ha- I've used it with a couple of my clients. At the end of tough conversations, the recommendation that this author made was or is Stuart, in any way during this meeting, have I treated you unfairly? Oh, that's great. That is good. That's a really good one. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Mm-hmm. I, I like yeah, that. I do you too, know, actually. I, yeah, I, I, had a, I had a difficult conversation with, uh, with a paralegal at, at a law firm, where, uh, which is one of my clients. And I, I, do, I, I like her a lot. I really do. There are some issues there uh, interpersonally for her with her colleagues and so forth. And we were talking and talking and talking. And, and again, even though I am a consultant, I know her well and I know all the people there well. And I was like, this is what you need to change. This needs to change, Natalie. It just does. And at the end, I asked her, I said, if I treated you unfairly in any way, and you can see her almost like snap up a little bit where it's just like, no, no, you haven't. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think, I think it, it almost brings people, and again, for lack of a better term here, back to reality, if you will. Yeah, where it's yeah. just like, this has been a fair conversation. Mm-hmm. We've talked. And again, I don't like I don't like to pull the power play often. Sometimes it's necessary. This is the final decision. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. the facts have to be the final decision, right? I I, I think that's where. Now I know Rachel sometimes gives me the side eye when I do these things, but I am so anti-prescriptive. I probably just because it wouldn't feel natural. Did I do what was the phrase you used, Ryan? Did I do anything? Did I treat you? Have I, have I treated you unfairly? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Now. I just like to say this for other audience member who sometimes when they hear those very like therapy sounding type of, yeah. of phrases, I like to say, all we're saying is just say something to the close facsimile thereof. Yeah. You don't have to sound hey, like oh you're a therapist sound on the couch, right? Cause oh. that's going to sound weird coming out of my mouth. I'm going to say, Hey, well, I wasn't, yeah. I, I didn't come off too heavy on you or nothing. Yeah, yeah, did yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you understand. I was just talking about the subject. Yeah. Yeah. Ronald. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. But if I go, have I done have I, any, done anything to threaten you bodily right. safely? <laughs> you get it, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm being silly here, but I do well, like to say for other... those people like me out there that you don't have to say the exact words. Yeah. Just say something oh, in your own yeah. words that match what we're trying exactly, to get at. Exactly, yeah. And, and Stuart, I truly, I am so glad you said that because, you know, again, sometimes people think that, do, you know, get the question from participants. Do I have to say that verbatim? It's like, no. Yes, it's a magic, it's a magic yeah, spell. Yes. You. And, like and there's those like, stop, I don't feel safe. No, you don't have to exactly say that. Hey, dude, you're freaking and me I, out. I think, I, think, I think the problem with saying, with like just writing that down and being like, oh, I'm going to say this next time is then it becomes prescriptive. And, you yes, know, yes. I've been in one or two, you know, 
counseling sessions where it's like, okay, I'm going to ask you my little questions and I'm going to go back to my office. But I think, <laughs> I think it's fine to write down as a reminder when you're preparing yes. for that, yes. make sure that I follow up and make sure this person felt like this was based, this, this conversation was about the topic yeah. and the issue. It didn't. Well, they didn't feel like it became personal. Yeah, and it's, it's that's like ultimately what that question is about. Like right? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's exactly it. That that is exactly it. We talked about the issue. We talked about your perspective. We talked about how I saw it, and that's it. And, and that's that's one I'll add into my toolbox <laughs> to make sure I'm adding that there at the end because I like that. I think I. I I do these things intuitively. So you know how like mm-hmm. some people do things. I think I do things like that. I, I actually, I'm certain I do it most of the time, especially if I feel it did get mm-hmm. heated, mm-hmm. but it's something, a good reminder just to make sure you're, you're getting at it. Ron, I we're running a little on time. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about anything you want to talk about or to let our listeners know where they could connect with you, your services, what you do and hear more about you. Number one is as we start to wrap up. Truly, thank you both for having me. Oh, you're I mean, welcome. It, oh, yeah, this is great. Just, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and this I mean, is what I, we I, like I, to do. This yeah. is our drug, man. Yeah, just sitting sure. around BS about this <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs> uh, probably the the best way that that people can get a hold of me is uh, very simply through my LinkedIn page. Mm. Uh, you know, just just go to Ron Reich. It's RLB Training and Development. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at uh, RLB Leadership. Yeah, or just R- RLB Leadership. We'll, we'll have that all in the episode description yeah. section uh, for and, everyone. You know, I mean, I think, I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll close with with one thing, and this this was the best business advice I ever got in my entire career. And Stuart, I'm I'm looking over your shoulder at your bookcase there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, many many years ago. I was talking to an old boss at, at a pharmaceutical company where I worked and I made the comment to him is that Joe, I admire David so much. One of my coworkers, I said, he is just so well-rounded and he knows so much. And Joe said to me, you need to start reading. You need to start reading 10 pages a day, five, six days a week. And I've done that for the past maybe 17, 18 years, whatever it is. I've read over 300 leadership books. Again, and the point simply is, it has given me confidence. It has made me a resource for people. It allows me to say to you right there in in the last few minutes, have I treated you unfairly in any way? And again, say it however you want. I pulled that out of a book. And I mean, just all of these things. And if you, if anybody wants to become a better leader, my advice is start reading, just start reading 10 pages a day. It will make an enormous difference. Mm -hmm. So I'm a, I'm a reformed humanities major, Ron. So I, I actually got like. Uh, my degree in English uh, to start off with before I went off to my MBA. So you are definitely preaching to the choir on this one. Uh, yeah. If we could span this, I've got books everywhere. aligned everywhere and they, they touch just about every, about every topic you can imagine on that. My thing is, and I, a professor said this very, and I've heard it many times since, but it really stuck with me partly because I was so young it was in my early twenties. You were books allow you one to communicate with mm-hmm. individuals that across time, mm-hmm. place, culture, 
perspective. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, it also taps into things that your soul already knows is the truth. You just haven't recognized it yet. Mm -hmm. And that's what you were talking about that with that statement, Ron, you knew intuitively like, Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. this is, this is a piece of a pearl of wisdom. I own it now. Mm -hmm. Right. So I talk to people all the time and I say, reading Instagram and reading articles on your newsfeed don't ca- no. count as the kind of reading we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about having these conversations with these individuals. It needs to be edited a little bit. Yes. A, little edited. a couple of eyes over it to make sure that it actually makes sense. Yes. But no, Ron, uh, definitely Rachel and I are both yeah. avid readers. This, of course, we've really incorporated reading management books mm-hmm. into our, uh, our podcast. But I guess as a bonus end here, and I want, I had thought about throwing this in earlier, you've segued us well into it, Ron. One book, one book that you would recommend for us to add into our mm. next review and riff. Mm-hmm. Now, if we've already done it, uh, we'll, we'll let you know. But you get one book, and we promise we're going to add it in in our upcoming queue for review and riff. I think based, based on the topic that we've talked about, I think one of the best books that anybody can read is called Leading at a Higher Level by Ken Blanchard. Okay. All right. All right. Do you know it at all? I haven't read that one. I have read Ken Blanchard before, but I have not read that one. So Leading at a Higher Level. We will do that one. Yeah. Yeah. He he talks about situational leadership in depth. Oh. Oh, great topic. That sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. He talks about managing individuals with situational leadership. He talks about managing teams through situational leadership. He gets into the importance of recognition. It's a wonderful book. Just wonderful. Awesome. It will get added on our queue. It'll, yeah. We've got four or five ahead of it, but it'll mm-hmm. be on there. We've got Peter Drucker coming up. We're about to do Henry Mintzberg mm-hmm. here real soon, but we will add Ken Blanchard on For there. Sure. Ryan, Hey, really enjoyed this. We sincerely enjoyed this. Thank you for joining in with our conversation. And thank you for sharing all your yeah. your knowledge and your expertise with us and with our audience. We really appreciate it's it, Ron. My pleasure. Yeah. Absolutely my pleasure.